We've been granted dominion here in this life because we are in Christ Jesus. And he said that all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Matthew 28, 18 says that. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. The power that we have in Jesus makes us winners in this life, not just what we think in the afterlife, in the reward of a godly winner once we get to heaven. It's here today and now. It's our mental, our emotional, our physical, our relationships, our financial pillars in our life. We can be winners in all of those areas here on this earth. The King's Council helps you discover, develop, and deploy your God-given talents and abilities. Now, our vision is to get you on the right path to your framework of success, focusing on the five power pillars, spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, and financial. Now, the King's Council is not your average coaching program. It's much more than that. It's a tribe of like-minded men and women bonded by faith and relationship that you can do life with. Join us in creating the next wave of kingdom entrepreneurs and becoming the CEO of your life by visiting kingscouncilcoaching.com and connect with one of our team members today. This episode is brought to you by Anchored Coffee. Anchored Coffee is a coffee company unlike any other. Not only do they provide the most delicious, and fresh coffee on the market. They also are positively impacting the communities where the coffee is growing. Anchored Coffee is on a mission to change the world through coffee. And as a subscriber of this podcast, you can get 15% off your next order using the promo code KING15. So visit impacttheworld.coffee today and use the promo code KING15 at checkout. That's impacttheworld.coffee using the promo code KING15 to get 15% off your next order. Enjoy the show. All right, all right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Council Podcast. I'm your host, Riley Meek. And today we're going to dive into this idea or this philosophy of winning and really how God has created us to win. Now, and some of you know that I'm a Packers fan, or at least I really grew up a, a diehard Packers fan. I don't really care as much as I used to once I realized what's truly important in life. But growing up, that diehard Packers fan, my dad was a Vince Lombardi fan, of course, right? Legendary coach for the Green Bay Packers. And one of his famous sayings was, winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. And that's really my, my, was my kind of philosophy or understanding growing up. It's like you had to win. If you're going to play, we're going to play to win. And certainly that's what I instill in my daughter, Ellie, and really everything that we do. If we're going to go at it, we're going to be our best. We're going to do excellent at everything that we do. And knowing that our competition isn't even necessarily against anybody else, but only against ourselves. And, and while some people I feel still operate in this manner, Unfortunately, I think it's mostly like what I would call, you know, non-believers that have this mentality that if they're going to play, they're going to play to win. And and nowadays I feel like a lot of Christians unfortunately 
have been conditioned to believe that winning isn't important. Or even this complete fallacy that it's unbiblical, right? And we're giving uh, participation trophies and they congratulate people for at least trying, right? Like, oh, well, at least we tried. Congratulations. I can't even express to you how annoying (laughs) that is to me. Because the truth of the matter is God has created us to win, not just spiritually, but financially, professionally, relationally, in every area of life. And that's why we focus on these five power pillars within the King's Council. And really for the sake of this podcast here, winning in all five of those areas, how do we go about winning? Because if we're still in this philosophy or this understanding of of trying, or I'm just okay with uh, participating or getting that that ribbon or trophy, then I can tell you this podcast, it really our coaching program within the King's Council, that probably ain't for you, right? Because we are committed, we are dedicated, we are a disciplined tribe that's not satisfied with just trying, but we've taken on this role of training, right? Going from, we're no longer trying, but we are in continual training or in the process of becoming the kind of winner that God has called us to be. And if you haven't committed to that, you're simply not fulfilling God's whole purpose for your life. And you're missing out on the contentment and the sense of fulfillment that God wants you to absolutely have. Strong words, I know guys, but I'm going to back them up here on this episode for you guys. So roll with me on this here over the next 20 minutes or so. And we're going to dive into some scripture but I'm going to back everything up with this understanding that God has created us to win. Okay, so if we look first off in Genesis, Genesis 1.26, God says, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man, a.k.a. us, in his own image. And when I read that or hear that, I believe that, I mean, obviously God is a winner, is he not? If man was made in God's image and likeness, then we are designed, we should be destined to be winners. In fact, after God actually made us, so we have Adam and Eve, he then commanded them to really go win. If you look at the next verse in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, it said, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. That there sounds like a win to me. God has created us to win from the beginning of time. So Psalms chapter 8, verses 4 and 5, it says this, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? human beings that you care for them. You've made them a little lower than angels and crowned them with glory and honor. So the translators of the King James Bible, when they translated this, what they said was a little lower than angels. And the word angels is actually the Hebrew word Elohim. And that's the Hebrew word for God. So the translation here can be misunderstood here. Because if we actually look at the Hebrew word Elohim, which is for God, the New American Standard Version actually gets this right when it reads this way. Yet thou hast made him a little lower than God. Not a little lower than angels, but a little lower than God himself. So God meant for us to be in a position of authority. 
he created us to be in that position of authority, a little lower than him. So very few believers are actually living in this way, in this position of authority. A lot of Christians have been deceived into really thinking that a losing lifestyle makes them somehow more spiritual. But let me tell you, there is absolutely nothing noble about losing. The great theologian, I'm sure you guys uh, are familiar with this one, Mr. Jordan Belfort from The Wolf of Wall Street. One of the, my favorite quotes from that movie. Now, certainly not a movie you're going to get your moral and ethical standards from, but I love it when he said that there is no nobility in poverty. Losing and really choosing to live this kind of life, it doesn't make us any holier or, or spiritual than anybody else. In fact, I would actually argue that it only makes us more dependent on other people. If we're going to choose to be, I don't want to call it losers, but if we're going to choose to live in this manner where it just doesn't matter, I don't have to win, I don't have to be my best, that simply just makes us more dependent on other people. And it's ultimately going to leave us frustrated, it's going to leave us unfulfilled, and probably worst of all, at least in my opinion here, part of the reason I'm on this earth is that feeling of significance if we're left with that feeling of insignificance on this earth, we're ineffective and in truly furthering the God-given calling, the mission, and the vision of furthering the gospel, that to me is like, oh, so unfulfilling. And this world is not going to be influenced by a bunch of losers. Let me correct myself. There are, there absolutely are a lot of losers out there posing as winners, it may seem like they're saying the right things from the front of the room or from the stage, but spiritually they're lost. Mentally, they're lost. They're deceived. Until I start moving, right? Until you and I start moving in the realm of winning, your influence on this world is going to be severely limited. We were made to win. Now, this doesn't mean that we have to adopt a worldly, like, cutthroat, win-at-any-cost mentality. That's not what I'm saying at all. But winning for a believer has a different meaning. And that's what I want to dive into here today with you guys, is God's concept of winning. What does that actually look like? Because doing anything and everything you can to win or, or cut corners, to cheat, whatever, that's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about God's concept of winning. Because according to the world's way of thinking, when someone wins, it means that somebody else has to lose. And that's an exclusive mentality. Also, it really implies like the domination of others. But God's concept of winning is completely different, guys. We are operating by kingdom principles. Kingdom principles. So what we think of this world, how it works, how it operates from, from our time, our energy, our money, our efforts, we got to take that out the door here because we're stepping into this realm of winning with this understanding of kingdom principles, kingdom laws that are at play here. So first off, winning is not exclusive. Winning can be for everyone. There's room at the top for everyone in God's system of winning. You guys have probably heard the old saying that it's lonely at the top. We've, we've all heard that one. But I'm here to tell you it's only lonely at the top if you don't take anyone with you. It's only lonely at the top if you don't take anyone with you. So we're here to take people with us. 
That's the movement that we're on within the King's Council, the tribe, the community that we've built here. We're taking territory, but the only way that we're doing it is we are doing it together. Okay, secondly, in this understanding or this viewing of, of winning, instead of dominating people, a godly winner dominates circumstances. A godly winner dominates circumstances, not people. In the kingdom of God, Going back to the scripture here, in the kingdom of God, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's Ephesians 6 there. And God's winners realize that even though another person may seem to be behind or maybe in negative circumstances in their life, that that person is not the root of the problem. The person themselves is not the root of the problem. They understand that God God hasn't promised dominion over other people, but he's guaranteed dominion over circumstances and the demonic forces behind them, the demonic forces behind the problem itself. So it's those forces in the circumstances that a winner puts under his feet. God's concept of winning is good news for everyone. If we read the word of God and believe it to be true, I'm assuming a good portion of you listening to this believe it to be true. If you're not there yet, completely fine. Still roll with us on this. But if you believe the word of God and you believe it to be true, we can agree then with Romans 8, 37, and it says, joyfully, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now, some of you may start to revert back to a religious mindset we'll call it, that we grew up with, right? And think, well, yeah, I'll be a winner someday because my reward is in heaven. Okay, a lot of us grew up that way. If you grew up in the church or maybe are even in a community like that now, it's like, well, yeah, one day when I get to heaven, like that's my true reward. And of course we have an eternal reward waiting for us in heaven. That's, I mean, that's exciting as can be. But God's provision of victory, I believe it applies now to every human on this earth right now, if we desire it, if we step into it. We've been granted dominion here in this life because we are in Christ Jesus. And he said that all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Matthew 28, 18 says that all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. The power that we have in Jesus makes us winners in this life, not just what we think in the afterlife, and the reward of a godly winner once we get to heaven. It's here today and now. It's our mental, our emotional, our physical, our relationships, our financial pillars in our life. We can be winners in all of those areas here on this earth. So let's get practical in this. Everything that we teach within the King's Council is, I I never want to just be like this philosophical idea. I want some practicality. Like, how do I apply this into my life? And it's one thing to know that God wants you to be a winner, but it's certainly another one to know how to become one. How do we actually become that winner? And Philippians is a book about winning. If you've never opened up the book of Philippians, I highly recommend it. I, I love this. It's the Apostle Paul, and he was writing about winning. Now, Paul, he experienced a lot of difficulties in his life, a lot but he never lived under his circumstances. Instead, he always lived above them and he controlled them. 
This is what I love about Paul. So how did he do this? How did he learn to be a winner no matter what the circumstances actually were? Because the dude was beaten. He was thrown in prison time and time again, but he still had control of his thoughts. He worshiped God in all these different trials and circumstances that he was in. That's a winner right there. So specifically, let's look at Philippians 3 verses 12 and 14. It says this right here. Not that I have already grasped it all or have already become perfect, but I press on if I may also take hold of that for which I was even taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not regard myself as having taken hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So look at that phrase there. It says, I press on. If I may also take hold of that, for which I was even taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Paul knew that he had been taken hold of by God for a special purpose. Just like Paul, you too have a unique, a divine, appointed purpose, a destiny here and today, but you've got to take a hold of that. If you want to be a winner, you must purpose in your heart to pursue that divinely ordained destiny, that upward calling on your life. Because Paul also said, brothers and sisters, I do not regard myself as having taken hold of it yet. In other words, I haven't arrived yet. So we got to have this same type of attitude when it comes to enjoying everything that God wants you to have here. You haven't arrived yet. So don't get satisfied with the status quo. I think so many of us just, we go through these seasons of life where eventually we just get satisfied. And there's a difference between being content and being satisfied. I am so content with my relationship with God right now, but I am so dissatisfied with what's happening on this earth. Like I have this, this healthy dissatisfaction, this drive that gives me that purpose, that upward calling on my life. And finally, Paul goes on to say this, that I press on toward the goal for the prize of that upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, this is a crucial phrase here, guys. It contains four words or terms, we'll call them, that represent the key here to finding and fulfilling God's destiny for your life. The four words are press, goal, prize, and upward calling. So let's talk about the press. What does that mean? Press, first off, if you just look at the word itself, it means to expend maximum sustained effort. I continually have seen good Christian people who are failing in their relationships, in their finances, in their careers. There are really only two reasons for that kind of failure in the life of a believer. The first one, I believe it's misdirection. In order to be a winner, we got to press toward a particular goal. Believers who press toward the wrong goal never make it to the winner's circle. We'll discuss this here in a second here. But the second one, and perhaps the most common reason believers lose, is that they fail to press at all. Right? Remember to press Pressing, it means to make an all-out effort. An all-out effort to go into that press. If you remember, man, last year, it's hard to believe it's been over a year ago now, but we did the full court press. When you're down by 20 
the clock's ticking. We have to go into a full court press and all out maximum effort. There's a sense of urgency in this life. Losers don't press. Losers routinely fail to take maximum effort. They never reach their goal. They're unwilling to continue giving the effort needed to win. And then they eventually give up. When you think about what makes a person press, you'll realize that it's a mindset. It's a belief that they have. Because before we're willing to press, we got to believe the effort is worth the result. That vision we talk about that gives pain purpose, that's so key here because if you're not willing to to press on when the going gets tough, you're just going to quit. You're going to fail. It's not going to produce the result that you're looking for. If you don't believe that the effort is going to be rewarded with a worthy result, you're never going to press long enough or hard enough for that matter to achieve the goal. This is how God's designed us. We are motivated by rewards. We're motivated by certain external rewards. The religious mindset, though, often has a hard time with this and understanding of this because believers who consistently win, believers that actually consistently win, they don't have a problem with this. They've recognized the importance of fulfilling their divine destiny and believe it's an upward calling, as Paul would say. But they also realize that it comes with the prize worth pressing for, the prize of the upward calling. So what does that mean? What is the prize of the upward calling of God? In a nutshell, it's life. There's eternal life. And the Greek word used to describe this kind of life, it's a Greek word. If you look this up, it's pronounced zoe, Z-O-E. It's a word that refers to the very life of God himself. And God's word says that you have that life inside of you. If you're a born again believer, you have that life. Too often though, we think of eternal life as beginning in heaven. Like it's when I die on this earth, then I have eternal life. Like we live on earth, we die, then that's the beginning of our eternal life. And our eternal life has already begun. It's here and right now. If you have given your life to Christ, your eternal life has already begun. It doesn't matter if it's here on earth or in heaven. It's already begun right here and right now. So back to that word Zoe. It refers to a quality of life as well as a quantity that forever eternal time length, but it's also a quality. It literally means life as God has it. So does God experience sickness? Does God ever experience poverty or maybe strife-filled relationships, unforgiveness, bitterness? No, of course not. I believe that this Zoe life is the prize that Paul is talking about. It's the prize that God has made available to us, not just in heaven, but right here, right now on earth. It can be ours now. So to really experience this fullness type of life that we're talking about on this side of heaven, you're going to have to lay hold of God's upward calling for your life. It's different for each of us. God's upward calling for you is your divine destiny, and it touches every area of your existence, your job, your business, your relationship with your spouse, with your kiddos, your health, your physical well-being, your material wealth. It's a place of great influence. It's a place of supernatural 
in harmonious relationships. It's a prize worth pressing toward. But in order to arrive, you got to direct your press toward the right goal. So the goal that Paul is referencing here, in, in many respects, the concept of the goal or the mark, depending on what translation of the Bible that you read, it's most important. Of all the keys found in that passage, what's most important is this, guys. This is solely my opinion on this, but when I read this and I first read Mark, and then some versions has goal, it started to actually make sense to me here because one of the things that Paul didn't say, one of the things he did not say was, I press toward the prize, nor did he say that he was pressing toward the upward calling. The prize is his motivation, but it was for the mark or the goal that he set his sights. Focusing on the goal, the mark before him, that's what he was moving toward. That's what his focus was on, and that's what's going to keep him on course. Let me illustrate the importance of the mark. For some of you that know, my dad owned a bowling alley for a few years in high school, and I'm a god-awful bowler, Um, but we owned a bowling alley, and that's when I started to actually kind of learn a little bit about bowling. And if you've noticed anything about those lanes in the bowling alley, there's those marks. A few feet in front of the bowler, there's those marks. In good bowlers, the best bowlers out there aren't aiming at the pins themselves. They focus their aim on the marks. Think of those bowling lanes, those marks that are on the lanes. If that was their focus, some of the best bowlers out there wasn't looking at the head pin or whatever pin it is that they're trying to hit. They know what mark they need to hit. The ball needs to hit that mark in order to fulfill that upward calling. So that's what Paul meant when he was talking about pressing toward those intermediate marks to obtain that upward calling of God. The dream that God has placed in your heart, it may not even be well-defined enough for you to know what to do next. That big vision You know, this time of year, we've we've been talking about vision so much, and it's great to have vision, and vision is not goals. Your vision is not the marks that you set before you, but that dream, that desire that God has given you is something that you can press towards, but now you're going to have to set those goals and those marks so you can focus on those. And as you do this, ultimately God's dream or that upward calling for you will come into view. So what is the mark that we got to press toward? What is that mark for you? I'll tell you what it is for me and what I believe it is for a lot of us. And it's servanthood. Remember when the disciples were arguing about who among them was the greatest? Remember this? Jesus told them that the greatest among them was he who would be the servant of all. And later he he demonstrated that principle by washing their feet. That was Matthew 18, I believe. So service, that servant leadership that we talked about that Jesus exemplified, that's the key to becoming a winner. Or the great Ricky Bobby, if you're not first, you're last, right? (laughs) Uh, it's, It's the mark by which we should measure our every decision, every action, every thought. When you begin serving with your money, or in other words, giving your money. You're stewarding appropriately. You're going to find yourself winning in every area of your finances. I promise you this. 
when you start serving in the area of relationships, loving on others, you're going to soon reap that winning harvest of love in your own life. These same principles apply to any and every area of your existence. The more that you press toward the mark of service, the more you're going to find yourself moving into that God life, that Zoe life that the Greek word uses. Because servanthood releases the power of God in your life. These are the kingdom principles that we're talking about here, guys. It makes zero sense in this worldly viewpoint that we have. So when we say thy kingdom come, that's what we're declaring and praying for. We talk about the kingdom economy. These are principles at work. And if we would just, it's, it's opposite of what the world would do to quote unquote succeed of that power and that desire for more in this world. Those principles don't apply to the kingdom. The kingdom principles is at work here. That's what we're talking about. And as you do this, if you can implement this into your life, the power of God is going to open up doors of opportunity that you never dreamed existed. He's going to highlight you as you walk into rooms. You're going to be highlighted to others. He's going to give you that influence in your community, the visibility that you maybe didn't once have. He'll keep on propelling you toward your dreams, those desires of your heart, those God-given desires of your heart, until one day you're going to look around and find that you've arrived at that upward calling of God for your life. You were made to win. Let's make this year the best year, the winning year, by implementing these kingdom principles into your own life. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the King's Council Podcast. For more information on the King's Council and becoming the CEO of your own life, visit kingscouncilcoaching.com today. You can also follow us on Instagram at kingscouncilcoaching. We'll see you next time.